We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Wire. NBA Most Valuable Player, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Giannis trailing the lob. Bonjour, uh, bienvenue, <laughs> welcome to the Eurostep uh, Milwaukee Bucks podcast, proudly a part of the Blue Wire podcast, the horrible French, I'm very out of practice, of course, because today as we record on Friday, January 24th, the Milwaukee Bucks beat the Charlotte Hornets 116-103 in kind of an ugly game, we are here to break it down, we meaning myself and the illustrious Rohan Kadi. Rohan, how's it going? Uh, I'm doing okay. First, first, I want to say happy belated birthday to oh, Ty Windish. His birthday was yesterday. Did you did you enjoy your day? I very much enjoyed my day. It was a good day. The Bucks and Herd both thoughtfully took my birthday off, so got to relax. Went out to eat a couple different times, which you can never complain about that. So no, it was a a very good birthday. Thank you for the for the note. Okay, well that's good to hear. But for this game, uh, just. Right off the bat, I just, it, it felt a little like it was an international game, which I'd forgot uh, it was earlier in the day. Um, yeah, you're. Uh, let's let's share with uh, with the listeners so, here. Anyone who's not not uh, lucky enough to be in the Euro Group Discord, share your prediction for this game, Rohan. So I was just I was getting the Discord, you know, sort of like hyped up for the game, like, oh, how much do you think the Bucks are going to win by? And we got uh, we got a couple respons- responses like oh, like twelve, thirteen, seventeen, and I was like. Oh, this feels a little low. I thought I think the, it's the it's the Charlotte Hornets. Like the Bucks are going to win by like twenty five points. Uh, not taking into account that this was a game that was being played in Paris after around four days off, and yeah. you know an international flight, a lot of 
uh, things they needed to do around around the city of Paris, and I did not take that into account. But it still did end up being a double-digit victory. Yeah, it did. Uh, the Bucks very nearly covered, if not for a questionable, one of many questionable foul calls late in the game. The Bucks would have covered, but I think the spread was 13.5, so they were just below it. But still, uh, I don't want to say a good win, but I think getting the win was good because, I mean... I don't know. I feel like most people appreciate it. If you don't, like, long road trips or, or, like, far road trips inside the States can be a hassle for NBA teams. I mean, like, the Bucks always, you know, you always got to look at the, the West Coast trip and go, oh, this is going to be tough. It's never easy to, you know, get too many wins on the West Coast, whatever. Now you're talking about a whole different continent. Several time zones away. I mean, the game tipped at 2 p.m. Central, which I believe was, or 2.15 or whatever, which was seven or nine p.m. in France time. I don't know what the time zone is called. We'll say France time. It's certainly not called that. But um, so not easy to go there and win. And it seemed for a little while like the Bucks were not going to. Milwaukee loses the first quarter, ugly first quarter, and they start off ugly too. I don't think they led at all until the th- until the fourth quarter actually. Mm-hmm. But um, until Milwaukee- the first basket of the fourth quarter, if I believe. Yep. Yeah, I think it was it got knotted up at the end of the third by the by the bench mob. We'll get there. Um, so Milwaukee loses the first quarter by seven, wins the second quarter by two, eventually wins the third quarter by five. But Charlotte at one point, I think, I know Matt Velasquez's tweet that I quote tweeted, you know, talked about the run from when the Bucks were down eight. I think they did go down double figures a couple times in that third quarter. So they they went down about that much. They kind of got it back to almost tied, if not tied. I think just like a bucket away from tying it. And, you know, they kind of battled for a little bit. Charlotte held them off. Charlotte hold, held them off. Then the Hornets go on a little run of their own and get it back to near double digits, if not double digits. And that's when I, I tweeted this. I was kind of like, oh, I don't I don't know. This might be. It started to feel like the Mavericks game where it was like, you think they're going to get back into it. And the other team just never really gives them a chance. And the bench mob came out. And as Michael Pina, Pina wrote a really good story on this, sorry about the name butchering there, the bench mob has been good all year. They were very, very good in this situation, and they're the ones who tied it up to allow this fourth quarter victory for the Bucks. I mean, what did you think about that run with uh, Kyle Forver, a.k.a. Kyle Corver at the four, and the bench mob there to end the third quarter? I thought it was we, – we know that Coach Budenholzer listens to this podcast, right? We've proved this for on many sure. occasions. Uh, I think it was him just trying to slap me in the face uh, because <laughs> I've been a, comp- a fun thing to do. <laughs> yeah, I would imagine. Uh, but I feel like I've been talking so much about how I hate these all bench lineups. I just, I hate them. Even though they produce positive numbers, I just, I don't like them at all. And he decides to go on another continent and on a national, international stage, pardon me, and just throw out an all bench lineup that sort of uh, changes the game in the Bucks' favor. Almost all bench, we should say. Almost all bench. Brooke Lopez, yes. I think, was always yeah. He didn't, yeah, yep. Brooke Lopez was part of it. But Those would traditionally be players. Robin Lopez minutes if he yeah. was yeah, if he on was, the. If trip. he wasn't home alone right yep. now. <laughs> yeah, but that that's what it felt like to me. But in all seriousness, I thought it was like it showed how deep this team is. Like I know I said I I question a lot of these bench lineups. Um, well, you know it. Sometimes they annoy me, but. You can't argue with the results. They completely changed the game in the Bucks' favor. Just they were destroying. 
Yeah, and I think this is something we've talked about. I know a lot in the Discord. It feels like it's been forever since we've done since we've talked to each other on a podcast. Obviously, you know the the buck starts here, comes out every Monday, so that was Monday. But it feels like such a long time after last week we did two full length episodes plus that. It feels like it's just been so long. Mm-hmm. But um, we talked in the in the Discord a lot about kind of those all bench lineups feeling a lot better when they have enough playmaking, which. When Dante was in the starting five because of various injuries to Eric Bledsoe or Chris Middleton or whoever, or sometimes even Giannis, or, although Ursan started those games. But, you know, when Dante was in the starting five and the all-bench groups, it was really just George Hill who you trust to playmake. Those groups, and I don't have the numbers in front of me, they, they didn't feel nearly as effective. But this group, and again, Brooke Lopez was there, so it's one starter, but, you know, not, not, not the kind of starter who usually is going to make too much of an offensive impact. Although Brooke did have a nice game. He was the only buck hitting any threes early, which sounds crazy. He did end up only two for seven from deep, but 12 points, uh, two rebounds, which is crazily low, but we all know how good he is at boxing out. One assist, two blocks, two turnovers for Brooke, plus five in his 25 minutes. But So that lineup, Brooke Lopez at the five, then it was George Hill, Pat Connaughton, Dante DiVincenzo, and Kyle Korver. They played five minutes according to NBA.com lining or lineup tracking data. In those five minutes, they were a plus eight, which is makes sense because the Bucks were down eight when that group came onto the floor, and then they were tied ending that quarter. Um, just incredible shot making. They only made two threes, only two for seven from deep. So this wasn't like you know guys just got hot and that's why they won. The Bucks shot the three ball horribly in this game. Uh, 10 for 36 at the end of the day from three, just 27.8%. But that group was mobile. They brought a lot of energy. Uh, They defended well. Um, Four assists in those five minutes, which is obviously very good. Seven rebounds in those five minutes. They they controlled the rock. Um, Just, I don't know, it just seemed like some combination of their energy. There was a lot of guile there. I mean, between Corver. And, and Hill and DiVincenzo especially, those are guys who really know how to move on and off the ball on both ends. And honestly, I mean, we got to talk about Kyle Korver. I think this, w- would you agree, was this Kyle Korver's best game of the season? Definitely his best defensive game of the season. Oh, for sure. There's not a doubt about that. He was, he was, uh, he was just so active, and we'll get to Dante later, I'm sure. He was so active. Just that lineup in particular, what did they, like, they only had five minutes, but I think the, um, the main thing that pops out to me is the seven rebounds in five minutes and four assists. Yeah. Because they, while, like you said, they weren't shooting like insanely well to score those 14 points in five minutes, but they were just, they were creating so many opportunities. And Kyle Korver was a big part of that. Yeah, he was. I mean, all around terrific game for Kyle. Nine points. And it's funny because like the two guys who I thought were best overall, I mean, Giannis certainly up there. He was quiet for the first three quarters, but he ends up, of course, with the ridiculous Giannis stat line of 30 points, 16 rebounds, <laughs> six assists, and a block. I feel like I say this every episode, every, yeah. um, but I just I looked at the stat line and I was like, <laughs> when did that happen? <laughs> Almost all of it happened in the fourth. I think like somewhere between 13 and 17 of his points were in the, the final frame, but the Bucks are he pulled a his team eye high. He did pull his Zion. Nice reference there. That was fun to watch. I really hope Zion plays when the, when the Bucks play the Pelicans. That would be... A lot of fun for us. Hopefully, he plays more minutes too. But uh, team best or team high plus sixteen for Giannis in the game. But Corver, um, going back to you know someone who didn't necessarily have the biggest stats, although some of these statistics pop out a little bit too. He only plays eighteen minutes. Pretty pretty standard for for Kyle Corver at age 
38? Eight. Yes. 38. My goodness. Nine points, five rebounds, one offensive, three assists, and two blocks. And I just want to say, I thought those were steals, not blocks, because he certainly got the ball out, and not twice, three times on the way up, right under the basket. He knocked the ball loose three different times. It doesn't really matter to me if you count them as steals or blocks. A lot of smart basketball people just refer to them combined as stocks anyway. They mean just about the same thing, but I, I actually steals are a little more valuable because a block, you don't necessarily get the ball back, but he stole the ball. I'm going to, I'm going to call them steals. I swear he had three of those. One somehow didn't get counted, but right under the basket, whereas like very important plays, like more important, I would argue than even the standard stealer block because the positioning of the offensive player and the defense around him, if he doesn't get those, they're almost certainly going to be either made baskets, fouls, or both. So huge defense from Kyle Korver under the rim, which something I never thought I would say, and I said this during the game, I did not expect this. Kyle Korver has been good this year. Not just fine, not just passable, and it's not just like, well, he's going to make some threes, but there's nothing else. No, he has been good. I mean, three assists in 18 minutes. He moves the ball really well. He knows how to use his gravity, but his game is a lot more nuanced than people give him credit, and watching him night in and night out has been an absolute delight. I mean, this guy is so huge to this Bucks team. I'm past the point of thinking he's not going to play in the playoffs. I hope he has a consistent role in the playoffs. Unless teams really find ways to expose him, I'm not sure they will, though. He has been outstanding this year. No, he's been fantastic. And one thing I've noticed with like older vets sort of coming to the Bucks is like they they just seem like they're in the greatest shape of their lives. Like yeah. there's a reason that Suki Hobson, who's the Bucks lead at head trainer, I think title. Something it's something like that. Yes. Yeah, so she, runs, she runs she runs something yeah, like that. She's like the athletic training god or something for the Bucks. Um, I think athletic training god just about covers it. Mm-hmm. But she, there's a reason she keeps winning awards for like best yeah. in the business because they this um, team just sort of transforms players and their careers. Like Kyle Korver, we said he's 38 years old. He was in like he's one of three remaining players from the 2003 draft, and one of them's an alien, and one of them is Mello. <laughs> and uh, so, and he's diving on the floor for loose balls. He's playing good defense, like on these possessions that you've been referencing where he's just like under the rim i'm just like what happened so that kyle corver is trying to stop a shot from cody zeller at the rim and then somehow <laughs> and, and actually and then doing kyle corver is getting the ball <laughs> he's good like he's just and it's such a pleasant surprise because I'm, I'm not gonna at the time of the signing i was like oh like he'll be nice in the regular season you know run him off some screens have him open up some room for Giannis. He has real chemistry with Giannis. He has chemistry with a lot of guys. He's been defending well. His passing, I, I'm, I'm going to look as I talk, which is awful radio, but like it feels to me like he's getting more assists for per minute than ever. In his for game. sure, like we'll see especially wrong, these last but. these last couple games, he's sort of had like his trademark, you know, come off a double pin down at the top of the key and sort of turn and shoot. But he's like going up for the shot, and then he's like sort of passed out of it, and for like open layups. Uh, because there, he has so much gravity at the top of the key, and it's such a, he has a easy passing lane to the basket, and he's been doing that more and more frequently. He's been even making passes out of like I remember there was one possession where I don't know if it was this game or the Bulls game, but he there was like a Corver Urson pick and roll for some reason, and uh, Corver had a he made a good pass to Urson diving to the cup, who I think got fouled or something. But I remember that, it's just. Yeah. 
like what what is happening like this is kyle corver like, so i'm i'm totally wrong we just underrate kyle corver this is by assist per 36 his seventh best season well so, how, when, what six. was he last year last year corver was okay so this is it's been a while since he's been this good at it the only well, one with more per 36 than this was uh the the most recent one with more assists per 36 was the all-star year 14-15 when when Bud and the Hawks won 60 games. So it has been a while. Last year, the split, he was 2.2 per 36. Now he's 2.6. So it's really not that much of a difference. But I don't know. I guess you just – I know Adam McGee has said this before, and he's usually right about this stuff. It Nobody really appreciates Cal Culver unless you watch him a lot because from, a, from the faraway perspective, you just see the guy who shoots. But there has certainly been more here than that this year. No, for sure. It's He's completely – just turned himself into a fantastic basketball player and you would think that he wouldn't because we've mentioned his age so many times for good reason but no i agree with your earlier sentiment that he needs to be a key rotation piece in the playoffs because he's he's been too good not to be yeah he has uh he has definitely earned it so um speaking of potential key rotation pieces in the playoffs I know we've talked about this on here. My my stance changing on would I or won't I move Dante DiVincenzo in a potential deal. Mm-hmm. I am to the point of like it better be Drew Holiday, Kyle Lowry, or somebody better. Like, and I don't think either of those guys is really available. But Dante, another terrific game, another one where the box score doesn't necessarily show you, and he certainly got jobbed, I think, on some of these stats. But eight points. Seven rebounds, only three of those on the defensive end. Three offensive rebounds, only Giannis had more uh, in this game. Uh, Nick Batum also had three. Uh, two assists, two steals, one block, one turnover. Five fouls, Dante in foul trouble for once, plus ten. So three for four from the field, one for two from deep. The only buck to shoot 50% or better from the three-point line. Another good shooting game for Dante, and he was everywhere in this game you know the 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 one play i'm thinking of his one steal which one they were two one of his two oh the 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 steal the steal the steal was ridiculous no he just uh for those of you who aren't sure what we're talking about there was a play i think was that in the third quarter it was in the third quarter where he just uh the hornets are running a fast break and um dante just shows out of nowhere on the was it the left side of the floor just completely Mm -hmm. jumps takes the pass away that was going to the corner shooter and then throws it behind his back to Giannis who gets uh, starts the break and passes it to George Hill for an open layup it was in the second quarter my my bad oh it was in the second quarter Mm -hmm. oh yeah I guess Giannis was on the floor yeah Mm -hmm. no but uh just such a and it was one of those do do you have it up right now or is it just so what was the score of the game uh, it was 49-44 Charlotte when he made that, and it turned into 49-46. Okay. So that yeah, was, like, key part because it's, like, if you're at, like, a five-point lead and the Hornets get a three there, that's eight. But somehow it turned back into a three-point game. Like, that was critical. It was. And it was just one of those where the he has that so rare mixture of being able to move at 1,000 miles per hour but being very controlled in the process of it. It's so hard to do both. Almost every player is, if they have either, they're either one or the other. It's either you can go super fast and probably not stay in perfect control, 
or you know what to do. You know, you have that, that guile, that, that sense of where to be, but you can only do it at, at so fast. You, know, you got to be kind of controlled to do it. He can do both. He can fly around the court being disruptive, picking off passes, and somehow seemingly always getting them to another buck if he's like flying out of bounds or something. And he does it so fast. It's it's so much fun to watch. And I think his offensive game is coming along. He barely shoots tonight, but did can most of the shots he made. I mean, he's perfect from within the arc. Some nice layups today, if I remember right. I think the his two makes in the arc were both layups. I'm almost positive. No, no, but I I think that sounds right. But I remember, he made at least one when I was like, "Oh, okay, he's he's been coming along." Because earlier were, in the season, both he layups. was okay. Yeah. Earlier in the season, he was missing a lot of layups. It seemed mm-hmm. like I don't know if he didn't have his timing down or what. And this is this is eye test. I'd have to go look to verify. But it feels to me, just from watching him, he's a little bit more controlled on the offensive end. I think he's finding the bottom of the rim more when he attacks the basket. Yeah, it's like you were saying that he's so fast on the defensive end that he was sort of too fast on the offensive end, but the offensive end is starting to slow down for him a little bit while he maintaining that defensive ferocity. I wanted to ask you this. It's early, right? Like this is his yes. second year. Basically his first year. Is he the best defender on the team? Mm. Ooh, no, that's... second. is he the second best defender on the team? <laughs> Who do you have as best? Yes. It's so tough. It's, it's tough because there's so many great defenders on the Bucks. I don't know how I feel about his on-ball defense. I feel like we don't see it that often. We always just see him. Because no one, yeah, no one, he's never on, like, a person who's going to attack. He's sort of like Giannis in that he's always, like, help side. Yeah. But he's, like, what he does that Giannis doesn't do is he's flying around the court. Yes. And he's making every single pass for every read. Because Giannis is just, like, sort of roaming and, like, sort of, like, always going to, like, go for the rim. But, like, Dante's just... All over the court. Like, so what do you think? I'm going to, yeah, I, I want an answer. Do you think he's the second best defender? Or do you think he's the best defender on the team? I don't think he's the best defender. Okay. I think, I don't think, I don't even know if he's second. I think he's right up there, but it's so hard to quantify. But I will say no, because I think, I think generally the on-ball stuff is a little more valuable. And I think this is a perfect timing for this discussion, because I actually was just looking through uh, Krishna Narsu on Twitter, who does terrific analytics work. I always love sharing his stuff. He put together a screen, uh, a spreadsheet of which players guard number one options the most. And I thought this would be fun to go through. I didn't know if I'd be able to work it in, but the way you, the way you toss that question, it's perfect. So definitely playing that. Uh, perfect. So uh, number one in the in the entire NBA, you would never guess this, but I'll, I'll give you three shots to guess who has guarded number one options most in the entire league, with the caveat that you or I'm sorry. Oh, this is by percentage. But with, there's like there's uh there's filters, so it's not just like any player in the league. They've played a lot of minutes and a lot of possessions. So I'll give you three shots to guess number one. Is it Kevin Love? It is not Kevin Love. Okay, because I know he, I know he defended Giannis a lot. <laughs> no, I don't think I don't see him on here. He might not qualify because he hasn't played enough. Oh god. Um Oh, this is tough. I'm Super not... tough. I'll give you a hint. Western conference. Western conference. And it's a wing. And it's a wing, okay. But I didn't even know he played, to be honest. Is it? I have no idea. Is it Buddy Healed? It's not Buddy Healed. I did just see him on here. He is ranked, but it's not Buddy Healed. I'll, okay. I'll give you another hint, and I still don't think you'll get it. Buddy Healed is sixtieth. Oh. Um, 
Plays for the Thunder. Plays for the Thunder. Is it? <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> it's none of the none of the main guys who play on the Thunder. Terrence Ferguson. Terrence Woke. Sure. Terrence Ferguson is number one. I, I was going to get Darius Baisley. I believe this is organized by, yeah, who has spent. Actually, I don't know what it's filtered by. Oh, yeah, percentage on uh, number one opponent. Okay. So, yeah, um, Terrence Ferguson leads the, the NBA. But so names at the top of the list, Dorian Finney-Smith, which that makes sense if you think about it. I mean, they're not going to have Luka do it. Royce O'Neal, Bruce Brown, Ben Simmons, Chris Dunn, Malcolm Brogdon, ninth in the league, Corey Joseph, so Drew Holiday. So a lot of the guys just make sense. Um, Patrick Beverly is on here. So the first Bucks on the list are 18th and 19th. They're back-to-back. Eric Bledsoe and Wesley Matthews. I Eric think that makes Bledsoe? a lot of sense, too. Bled is still oh, guarding yeah, number one true. options yep. if they're a guard. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, if it's a wing, then it's West. So that, that makes sense for those two. So they're both uh, top 20 in the NBA. They're 18th and 19th. Okay. Keep going down. Tristan Thompson at 24. George Hill is up next at 26. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, Tony Snell at 30. Shout out Tony Snell. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is interesting how this shakes out sometimes. I'm guessing that it, that's probably bench mob minutes. For George, yeah. uh, whoever the number one option on the bench is, MCW thirty-seven. Shout out to him. Uh, Do we I'm need to shout out MCW? <laughs> no, we don't need to shout out MCW for sure. Not um, here's Buddy Healed at sixty. So I'm still going down. So now I'm at sixty. We're talking about the best defenders. So that's why I think that's why I put Dante outside of it for now, just because outside of Giannis, who you know is kind of built to roam around on defense, I think there's so many other guys who play point. Who defend premier threats on the Milwaukee? Okay, so, so so you would say he's like below Bledsoe and Matthews. Yeah, let's say he's around Matthews. I'd say around he's, he's probably a little better than West, but I think Bledsoe is better. So I'm still scrolling. Number one hundred is Robert Covington. So I'm still going down without any more bucks by this metric here. Um, LeBron is at one twenty six, which honestly feels high for LeBron. It really does. So I know I looked at oh Jabari Parker one thirty eight. The Hawks must be. Pretty torn up about all those possessions. <sighs> if it's a Zubats, one fifty-one. Dante Divincenzo, one fifty-seven. So he in his minutes. So I think that's a good observation by you. He's not being used as a primary defender. The Bucks are certainly letting him roam, kind of the Giannis mold. Interesting here. Chris Middleton is one eighty-fourth in the where, NBA. Did, could you search for Giannis? No, I'm getting there. Okay, I know where he is. I oh, okay. Earlier. Brooke Lopez is one ninety-seventh. So these guys, and that makes sense. I mean, they're pretty rare for the other team to be a center. Uh, Ursan is 210th. Ursan is, is above Giannis. Giannis is 229th in the league, right between Monty Morris and Montrez Harrell. So certainly the Bucks have an idea of what they want to do on defense, and they do it. I mean, Kevin Love is 250th, by the way, so it certainly <laughs> wasn't Kevin Love. But, um, but yeah, I, think that, I thought that was super interesting when I saw it just because – I mean, I'm sure there's folks out there who don't really watch the Bucks who would use that to kind of, you know, as a negative toward his potential DPOI case or whatever. But I think that's just that's what they want to do. That's their way of doing it. I think it's interesting. Giannis and Chris are both down a little bit. I think general consensus is they've both been very good defensively this year. I know I read Zach Lowe said that, I believe, in his all-star piece that his offense and defense are better than last year. Mm-hmm. I think that's the general consensus, but I think both of those guys – able to roam a little bit more and on Chris's case just play better defense on sometimes less potent threats and save themselves for the offensive end and I think that pays dividends for Milwaukee no for sure that is very interesting that Ursan has guarded the primary option more than Giannis 
That, ooh, I don't know how to feel about that. I don't either. I don't think, I don't know how intentional that is. Um, I think some of that is just like when he ends up in, in the Giannis spot, either when Giannis misses time or when Ersan is uh, on the bench. I don't know. That is, that is kind of disturbing, but it is, it is ranked in percentage, not total possessions. So I don't know if that's necessarily okay, that's the case fair. for, yeah, but interesting stuff for sure. But I think it, it, it matches what we, what we've said and what we believe in. And that's that the Bucks very fine with Giannis helping more than being on the primary defender. It'll be interesting to see though, you know, playoff time, clutch situations, whatever. If Bud tries to break the glass on Giannis actually guarding the primary defender as a po- like like Nick Nurse did with Kawhi last year or if the Bucks will stick to, you know, him just being more of that uh helper, help side, weak side role. Yeah, no, for sure because like as you just said, that was sort of the the turning point of the series in the conference finals last mm-hmm. year. So I don't know. We'll, we'll have to wait and see for on that end. Well, there is one lineup where we might see more of Giannis guarding primary option. Oh, do tell that is, well, I know I, this has been an exciting topic. The end of the game, uh, the bucks did not play Brooke Lopez, which I always think is interesting. Milwaukee decides to go small and goes with a Eric Bledsoe, George Hill, Dante DiVincenzo, Chris Middleton, Giannis Antetokounmpo lineup, which I'm sorry, I forget who tweeted it. I think, I think it was Frank Madden, but I'm not positive. But I, whoever it was, it was the first time the Bucks had used that group all year. The final six minutes closes out with this group, and that six minutes they go nine for thirteen from the field, despite shooting just two for six from deep. So all four of their misses were threes. They made every single two pointer. Uh, 20 points in six minutes, plus five overall, six assists, five rebounds, one steal. So they didn't protect the, the, the lead as much, but they certainly were capable of scoring. And that group is fascinating. Obviously, that is a switching lineup. They don't have Giannis play the way Brooke does with the drop coverage. So in that look, you could certainly see Giannis guarding more perimeter guys. But what did you think of this small switchy lineup? I've been really intrigued by George Hill and Eric Bledsoe sharing the court because it's always it always feels like one of them well one of them should always be on the court but it feels like you never really see them on the court together because you know they should, obviously they're both point guards and you if anyone should play more off ball it would be George Hill in that situation because Eric Bledsoe is more aggressive with the ball going to the rim but it seems like George Hill sort of takes control of the offense in that situation. And I don't know. I've just been really intrigued. There's not a big enough sample size to necessarily figure out if it's working or not. But I just I want to see that going forward. Because I feel like if you're in crunch time, you want like your best players on the court when it matters, right? So, and you want George Hill out there. And you also want Eric Bledsoe out there because they're two of your best players. Uh, instead of, sorry, Wesley Matthews. So they actually have played together more than I would have thought. I just pulled the numbers up. 97 minutes this season. It's been more recently, right? I think so. So do you think, well, yeah, I can can check that. But how do you think they've done? If you had to guess, how would you you say that they have performed? I'd say they'd fare pretty well. You would be correct. I'm just looking now. So over their last 10 games... So I said there was 97 minutes total. Over the last 10 games, there was 23 minutes. So they've actually, throughout the year, they've, uh, they've been playing together a little bit. Although, certainly it feels, uh, it feels like we noticed it more recently. And, and I, I don't know if they always closed together before. But 
in their 97 minutes this season. The Bucks are 22 and 3 in games when both of them play. That lineup or lineups with those two together have a net rating of plus 19.6. They have destroyed teams. The only George Hill combos better are George Hill and Sterling Brown and George Hill and Dragon Bender. And those are Extremely bench mobs. Just, yeah, those, well, George Hill and Sterling Brown have shared the court a good amount, actually. How many minutes? 270 minutes. Really? And, and they've killed teams. Bench mob. No, so the rest of it is bench mob minutes. But Hill and Bledsoe, obviously, is, is different looks. That's not a bench group. That's a, a group Bud is just going with. The assist percentage is a little low, but they have been put just – Putting the absolute clamps on teams. Opponents have a defense, a defensive. Uh, excuse me. Opponents have an offensive rating of ninety-one point seven when Hill and Bledsoe are on the floor together. The Bucks score one hundred and eleven points per hundred. Opponents score ninety-one point seven. So they are absolutely throttling teams when those two share the floor. So that is a group that is very interesting and one you. I, I would agree. I'd like to see more of because that's an intriguing sample. That is by far. The best Mark Hill has showing the floor with any of the starters. The next closest is him and Giannis, who are plus eight point seven per hundred. And obviously, the sample size is a lot bigger there. But that uh, that Bledsoe, Middleton, Hill, Giannis group is very interesting. It for sure is. It really works against the the Hornets because they don't have a lot of bigger threats. So you need Brook Lopez. Like, what are you going to be worried about? Giant Alex Caruso and Cody Zeller? Uh, <laughs> like you're. You're not really, like, sure, he was going off a little in the first quarter, but then it's like you don't need to worry about that. So, and especially if you have Giannis as the primary five defender. Like, he's the only, like, guy. How tall is Chris Middleton? 6'8"? I think he's 6'8", yeah. I, yeah. Mean, I, always, I always forget how tall he is, but I'm almost positive he's at least listed at 6'8". Yeah, so, like, Giannis is the only one above 6'8", but that's all you need because Giannis is one of the best defenders in the league, especially at the rim. Uh, so I don't know, these lineups sort of really, really work. And this is like, this matters because of the playoffs. Mm-hmm. So if we can get a s- solid sample size to see how these lineups necessarily perform in the playoffs, because I think Bud is like, he's realizing that he needs to tinker with it a little bit because he, he's found that George Hill bench Bob lineups are great. He's found the starters are great. He's found that George Hill and Eric Bledsoe like he's finding out that George Hill and Eric Bledsoe are fantastic together. So if he like puts that together and sort of does that during the postseason when you really need it, and especially just during like big games, crunch time minutes and all that, if you roll out these type of lineups and know what you're doing, they can really destroy teams. I wonder if that's gonna be the death lineup. The Bucks yep. the Bucks could use a death lineup. They haven't really had one. Like a one group of five. I mean starters, I suppose, would be it, but like that, I don't think they'd ever start a game like that. But and I, I, I don't know if it's Dante or Wes. The way he's been playing recently, maybe Dante. But that that group of Bledsoe, Hill, Dante, Middleton, Giannis. I mean, offensively, especially if Bledsoe continues to shoot the ball well, that is quite the dynamic group. And it's a smart group. They know how to cut. I don't know. That is a that, there's some exciting potential there. T- totally agree. By the way about Bud trying things. Did you notice when the game got tight, Charlotte pulled it to within six in the fourth quarter after it seemed like the Bucks were going to put it away. What did Milwaukee immediately go to? I'm going to let you tell the people. Oh, thank <laughs> I know, you. They I know immediately you like went to a Chris and Giannis pick and roll. It was like by default, and that was so encouraging to see. And it did result in a bucket. It wasn't their prettiest pick and roll, 
but Chris gets the ball to Giannis, who has uh, a good opportunity to drive and ends up putting it in. And was it an and one? Was it? Uh, maybe not. Maybe not. I could. I could look. I but, can't remember. Um, but either way, it was a bucket, and the Bucks, you know, kind of took it from there. That was kind of the last. I think Dante came back and hit a three pretty soon after that. That pretty much put this one away. But definitely encouraging to see that that is just like at this point the Bucks are just like, oh, we're just gonna do that now. Here it is. So no, it wasn't. So that put the Bucks up 108-100. Dante follows Malik Monk, who makes a couple. Then Chris Middleton makes a jumper. Uh, Giannis, or then Dante makes the three, and that that really was what ended it. 113-102 at that point. Uh, and then Chris made a three as well that really put it away. So, But I think it was already just about over. And then Tanasis comes in. So, I mean, no offense, Tanasis, but that's pretty much pretty much the sign things have run their course. So nice closing out for the Bucks, despite a relatively ugly start to the game. Um, do you have any more any more notes from Hornets, Bucks, and France? Well, aside from your fantastic accent, hmm. um, I don't know. It was it was a good thing for the state of the league. I thought it was a great. Uh, they had, did a great job, just in Bears in general, like the NBA did. They had a bunch of stars out there. Who was out there? Muggsy Bogues, Kareem. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, there was, was someone Hakeem else. out there too. Yeah, Hakeem was there. Hakeem and Kareem. What a, what a pairing of yeah. names. Uh, I feel like we're missing someone, but they had a bunch. Tony oh, Parker, Michael, was jo- Michael Jordan was yes, there because he yes. owns the Hornets, so I mm. guess that counts. Yes, Michael Jordan was there. Uh, All Star Game legend uh, Mark Lazary was there. Yep. Um, no, it was a great showing. It seemed like everyone had a great time. Like it, it's nice to see. Like I forget who tweeted this, uh, so apologies to them. But it was nice to see like a crowd just like chant, like cheering for like every made basket for both teams because they're just enjoying <laughs> basketball. Yeah. Like, clearly the Bucks had more supporters in the building. Well, one Hornet had a whole lot of support. Yes, and that is for good reason, and Nick Batum, because he is a French national. Yeah, um, they tried their best rough night for Batum, though. I think he made two shots and scored... Oh, no, he was one for eight, and he scored five points. So, not exactly the game you're looking for if you're Nick Batum, who got the, I think, his first start of the year, pretty much, mm-hmm. you know, for obvious reasons. But he did get five assists, so that's something. Yeah, no, it was it was just it was really good to see because you know NBA global game. I feel like I'm a spokesperson for the NBA right now. I feel like yeah, I'm Adam Silver. Say. But I it's, cut, the, it's, cut the check, Adam. <laughs> it's it's just nice to see. It is. Um, so we should probably talk about All Star. Yes. Voting for <laughs> starters came out, or just voting in general. Mm-hmm. Uh, disappointed to see. Well, let's 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 give respect where it's due. Giannis again, the captain of the Eastern Conference, the second year in a row, leading vote getter out east. His fellow starters third are, overall. Yeah, third overall. LeBron and Luca had more. Next year we gotta we gotta get it together more personally. I don't think we did enough. I did a little like voting drive for Chris Middleton late like late on the last day and I was kind of like why didn't we do this earlier so next year we really got to get out the vote and mm. get Giannis first overall get Chris starting but unfortunately Chris gets no media votes he ends up 11th in fan votes and the player votes as always just an unbridled disaster of of illogical voting and it didn't make any sense but Giannis is going to be the captain again he will pick his teams I'm I'm very confident Chris Middleton will be a reserve but that is left to the coaches if not, uh, I'm honestly going to go protest. I, I will too, but I, I, I feel good about it. I think it's generally recognized he's better than last year. In prediction pieces last or this this past week, pretty much everyone had him as a lock, except for the inside the NBA crew where Chuck didn't have Chris Middleton, but he had two Pistons. 
So yeah, um, but uh, Giannis starting alongside Pascal Siakam, Joel Embiid, uh, who are the uh, Trey Young and, and Kemba Walker? Yes. Just not the guards I would have picked. Probably maybe Kemba. Probably not Trey Young, whose team is awful. But whatever, yeah. it'll be fun to watch. So I don't know. Are you are you jazzed about All Star? Do you care? I am. It's it's going to be close by to Milwaukee. It's going to be in Chicago, so True. that'll be fun. Um, I don't know. It's just, it kind of feels like we've just accepted that like Giannis is like the captain. Like, oh yeah, obviously, like he's the captain of the All Star team. Yeah, a Milwaukee he, Buck he is wears the Milwaukee most popular player in the conference. Yeah, and he's the captain of the All Star team, like third overall leading uh, vote getter. Like you know, casual. We ju- we just casual. Accept, we we expect that at this point. Yeah, it's it's wild. It's such an accomplishment. I tweeted it last night. Like. I was already like kind of like, oh, why didn't Chris get more votes? And I, I kind of sat back and thought, you know what? Let's appreciate Giannis for a second here because he certainly deserves it. Um, here's a fun uh, factoid for you. Ooh. Giannis leads all NBA history in scoring average in all-star games. Really? Do you know that? 28 points per game. Huh. Well, Because Giannis he just, tries. Yeah, he goes all out. I just want – he would have won like what? He's 0 for 3 in the uh, all-star game? Like he hasn't uh, won a game yet. Oh, I I actually don't know. I don't. I usually I more so last year for obvious reasons. But like before that, I was never a big All Star guy. Because so I feel I can't like remember. I feel like the last three years he would have won MVP if his team won. Yeah, I think I think that's that that feels right. I think you're correct there. So yeah, we'll see. Hopefully he can get one this year. Out mm-hmm. west, the starters are LeBron, who is the captain, Luka Doncic, James Harden, Anthony Davis, and Kawhi Leonard. Those which, were cut and dry. Those were obvious. Yeah, the Kawhi spot, people debated a little bit because he missed so much time. But, like, come on. I mean, Jokic <laughs> showed up fat, so he missed time in his own way. And the Nuggets were bad early, so that's his fault. But, yeah. Uh, he's played his way into shape. The Nuggets are playing better. But he's no, going to be think, an all-star. Yeah, he'll be a reserve. But I don't think he deserved the start. Kawhi's been awesome. So, yeah, I think that was very easy. I think the East was – Jimmy Butler had a case – if Jimmy Siakam Butler was listed off. as a guard, he would have been starting over Trey Young. That's my only quabble with this. Like, why? Why is Jimmy Jimmy Butler's a two? Ah, uh, he's playing a lot. Of, I don't know. Positions are weird. He handles the ball a, a lot, but he, he's been a, listed as a guard for years now. But this is like the first year that he hasn't been listed as a forward. It was tough for him. Like Chris, might have, Chris might have started if he was a guard too. Yeah, like. Although maybe not, just because of fan voting and stuff sucks. But I don't know. Interesting stuff. Chris Chris should be an all-star. Bledsoe's a maybe. Bledsoe has some support, too. I think he... Hmm. I don't think he's going to make the I cut, but he might... I don't, I don't know. There's I think a lot he had a better case candidates. last year. Yeah, I do, too. Because I feel like his... I don't know. It just feels like if if one year was going to be his year, it was going to be last year. Yeah. But I. Yeah. who knows? I hope. Like, I know John Hollinger had him as an all-star. He did. Yeah. He did, indeed. A lot of the advanced numbers put him put him up there, but... I don't know. I, I I don't think so either. The points per game just isn't there. I, what I is it? Fifteen and like five. Yeah, it's five it's just six? with like Zach Levine and all these other guys putting up these gaudy numbers. I don't I don't even think Zach Levine made. There's a lot of good candidates. I feel team. like Zach Levine's just gonna make it because it's in Chicago. Oh, that's a good point. I didn't think. I mean, that's the yeah. whole reason that the Hornets didn't trade Kemba. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so he could play in the the Charlotte game. That's a very good point. If Zach Levine makes it, that's I'm gonna be convinced that's why now. 
Uh, certainly feels like if nothing else, if somebody, when somebody bows out, he'll be the replacement. But yeah, fun stuff, fun stuff in All-Star. Bucks probably with two representatives. And then interestingly, I know a lot of people calling for George Hill to be in the three-point contest. He said no thanks. Did you read that article? I did not, actually. I didn't see this. He is excited. He does. He has like a lot of animals at his house, like his property. Oh, yes. And he also yes. goes hunting. And he's like, yeah, I'm going to go on a trip, actually. <laughs> my my wife and I and nine other couples are going to go on a trip somewhere. We already have that planned, so no thank you, three-point contest. Mm-hmm. I will meet up with the Bucks. I after, remember, which... but like right before he got traded to the Bucks, there was a uh, episode of Road Trippin' that he was on because he was on Ooh. the Cavaliers yeah. that I listened to, and he he just loves hunting. and like He likes his, nature. Yeah, he's just, he has like, how many, it's like 200, 300 acres or something. Of something land like, yeah, it's crazy. That, that he just has, that he just like fills with imported animals. And he has, like, a huge house there or something. But, like, you know what? Good, good for George Hill. Seems like a good guy. For sure. For sure. It's it, In the story, that the recent story, he was like, yeah, I don't, I don't go out there, you know, to, to shoot anything. I just I enjoy it. And if, if the right opportunity comes along, whatever. So good for George Hill. He'll have fun. Uh, probably means I won't watch the three-point contest, but whatever. Maybe really? I will. It depends. Depends on the field. Sometimes the fields stink. I, that's fair, but I, I usually watch it anyway because it can be fun. I don't like – they usually don't – and obviously it won't this year because George isn't going, but they usually just won't put like the lead, like the actual leading three-point shooter in the contest, which bums me out. Ooh, this is interesting. Like I just thinking about this. Steph and Clay are not going to be there. Yeah. Seth might win this year. That's interesting. This is going to be a weird alternate weekend. The yeah, jerseys do look fantastic though. Oh, do they? I haven't looked yet. No, they like I think Giannis Giannis's team is blue, like and they they're almost pinstripe. Uh Ooh. and then like um LeBron's team is like red, but it's like a bright red and then this is like the blue Oh, Chicago flag. I, yeah. I get it. No, and like the you know, Team World versus Team USA for rising stars and stuff. I think they said it's like all the all of the different like metro lines, the colors Ooh, that they're okay. doing for all the jerseys. For like rising star and all star for the team, so they they look very nice. Yeah, do you think they do look we think so Dante's going to be in rising stars? I hope so. I was thinking about this the other day, actually. I hope he's in rising stars. Is it just rookies and sophomores? Right, it is. You would think so. Yeah, and there's a lot of good rookies. Yeah, that's fair. I wonder, like, like is Zion even going to do it? I wonder, I don't know. That'll be interesting to see. I don't know if he's going to go or not. That'll be interesting. Or if he wants to. Who knows if he wants to. I mean, his team is actually important, unlike a lot of these guys. So, yeah, I guess we'll see. I, I, I do have one herd nugget I want to share right as we wrap here. It's very quick. Okay. Wisconsin won on uh, Thursday. Or, no, on Wednesday. Wisconsin won on Wednesday. Uh, I forget the score, but the, the herd won. But what, what I'm concerned about right now is after the game. It was over the Grand Rapids drive. Um, I think it was a comfortable win, if I remember right. But uh, so Chase Buford in his post-game press conference makes my favorite comparison of all time. Jamario Jones, who often comp to Draymond Green. That is not the comparison I'm talking about. But players on the team, whoever, and I think I've talked to, to Chase about it as well, which makes sense. And kind of an undersized guy who plays big, you know, is a role man, really dishes the ball well on those short rolls, rebounds very well, defends inside, whatever. No, Chase Buford compares Jamario Jones to Manu Ginobili in the sense of, and not any, not anything to do with how they play, but just in the sense of he does those plays where there's like two options. Either you're like, 
oh my God, why would you do that? Or, oh, wow, I can't believe you pulled that off. So clearly, you know, coming up with the RC Buford connection there, a very Spursian logical comp to make. Like not, I mean, I don't want to say logical, like obvious, certainly. It took everyone in the scrum by shocking surprise, but just a, a great comp there. And it just, I was like, I need to share this as many places as possible because that is terrific. That is that is fantastic. Any Anytime you can compare it, um Jerry Jones to Man, Manu Ginobili, you got to do it. You just uh, have to do it. Yeah. So, so, yeah. We, so what I'm hearing is that we just need to unleash a bat in the arena to see if what he does. If we do. And, you know, if there was a bat in the nomination arena, I would not at all be shocked if Jamario jumped up and hit it. <laughs> I guess we'll just have to find out. Once, once he does that, Chase Buford's just going to have, like, the biggest grin on his face. <laughs> I told you. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> I told you. I told you guys. Manu. Oh, uh, no. That That's is, awesome. That is a fantastic nugget. Do you, uh, is there anything else you wanted to hit? I think I'm good. Okay. Well... I guess we should wrap up this episode of the Eurostep then. I hope all of you listening have enjoyed the podcast and hopefully you enjoyed the game because, you know, we hadn't seen Bucks basketball for a little bit. And especially because we have the All-Star break coming up, you know, it's nice. But one thing that did keep us busy during this long four-day stretch where we did not have basketball to talk about was uh, talking about, you know, general NBA and Bucks and just other things in the Eurostep Discord. And if you want to be a part of that, just send me your tie a screenshot of you listening to the podcast, and we'll make sure to get you in there for all of the fun things that occur in there. Um, but other than that, if you enjoyed this episode, you know, rate and review. You know, that helps us out, makes us feel good. Uh, and tell, tell other people about it. If you're enjoying it, you know, make a friend like, hey, you know, you want to listen to this podcast? We can bond over this podcast together. You know, like, that'd be nice. Who knows? You can make a friend because of the Euro stuff. Uh, but, you know listen to all the podcasts across the entire blue wire network i can attest that they are all fantastic but from here from me and ty here on the Eurostep, uh we want to thank you for your listening and for your support and we will talk to you next time whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.